0: Hello everyone and welcome to a special Christmas edition of the Housewives Archives, a podcast where we discuss in great depth all things real housewives. My name is James Evans and joining me is my co-host and Jen Shah's assistant number seven, it's Ellie Nunn! (gasps) Woohoo! Merry Christmas James! Hi baby gorgeous.
1: Something that really made me laugh the other day was a tweet that said Carol of the Bells sounds like a song where on Christmas Day everyone dies <laughs> 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 it's like, so true. <laughs> it's it like also weirdly stuff.
0: sounds like the incidental music for an episode of Salt Lake City. Or they're like It really ha, does. Ha, yeah. <laughs> ha, 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 ha. It's like kind of Christmassy, but in the minor key, but like, but very threatening. But Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Salt Lake City. I am so Woo. excited. I, I have to say, I, I, I am so excited to talk about Salt Lake City. I do want to start by saying, James... Nothing is making me happier in the world right now than starting
0: Real Housewives of New Jersey. Oh my god. Nothing is making me happier in the world right now than the thought of you watching Vintage New Jersey.
1: I know it's not what we're here to talk about. I know that I'm getting ahead of myself, but I am champing at the bit for Mm -hmm. our next series because already I'm just like, I forgot how good it was. And it's... Honestly, it's like nourishing a part of me right now. We're in a very stressful time and it feels like my own little form of self-care every time yep. I switch on to that like grainy, terracotta orange tone, so <laughs> like marble onyx obsessed, like yeah. salt. So, it's just, and like you were saying in the last episode, like this, the way it's like, there's so much food involved and it's so written like a script, like the beats of it. And I'm so excited to go season by season because I do think you can talk about each season as like mm-hmm. an episode. And it's it's really lighting my fire. It's getting me going. I'm hot for it. I'm hot for Real Housewives of New Jersey.
0: I love it. I love it. I was just, I, that's another one that we can add to the canon of those lyrical cadences that are stuck in my head. When Danielle, at the end of the season one, she's like, she goes, um, pay attention, please. police, police. Police.
1: That is a great one. Generally, I really enjoy the way that she says, like, talk and, like, mm. there. Yeah, police is a really good one.
0: She has very dark L's and R's. That's very quintessentially Danielle. She has a line in the second talk. season. I think when Dina, like, shushes her and she's like, don't shush me, Dina. And then it cuts to her going, next time you shush me, expect me to speak louder. <laughs> louder
1: obviously we're gonna get into new jersey properly but i did have to just send james like that moment where caroline manzo says will you do me a favor look at me because i'm the one that told them and i'm like that is tv god like that is that is full-on soprano's magic Mm-hmm. And the editors and the cuts and the way, wh- and like, and like the boom after she says it. It's extraordinary. And also the way Caroline Manzo says, my family are as thick as thieves.
0: Yeah. <laughs> thick as thieves. My family. Thick. We
1: are, th- we are thick as thieves. It's so, it's just...
0: We defend each other till the end. Till
1: death. Till death. Uh, I am loving it. And I'm also loving just like... No, you know, I'm getting distracted. I'm hot for New Jersey. It's time to get cold with Salt Lake City. We have two Woo! seasons to get through. Salt Lake City, let's just say it here and now, has somehow managed to U-turn from some of the most boring television I've ever had <laughs> to sit through to like some of the most gripping, like... Exactly what we want. Like, they must not be able to believe their luck because they were scraping them with the second season the first few episodes
0: i know yeah it was ooh boy i mean they did quite the 180 and we are living in a golden era at bravo right now i would say it's the second coming since like, those heady days of 2010 2011 and mm-hmm. i think that's appropriate because this latter half of the current season of salt lake city it feels very reminiscent of season two beverly hills where we have these two insane storylines that would normally be enough more than enough material for one season they're running in tandem we have jen shark going to prison and mary being a cult leader we're so blessed
1: and what's even better is that you have two people with like no awareness whatsoever of like their own shit so it's like you also have these two it's 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 like a tennis match of, like, who's more batshit crazy between Jen Shaw and Mary. It's like, I yeah. can't decide who I'm, like, more kind of slightly repulsed by.
0: I, I find it fascinating watching this most recent episode, The fur Dinner, when Mary is the talking fu- to Jen. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, when she's saying, I pray to God that you're innocent. No, I, I got it right. No, no,
1: it was so good. <laughs> I pray to God that you're guilty. Innocent. I mean, <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then Jen, looking so shifty, being like, well, I... I am innocent. Uh, You know, okay, sure, Jen, sure. The way that Mary spoke to her, she doesn't seem to see it coming at all that this may happen to Mary herself. Like, she doesn't have a clue that, like, Mary's going to prison too. Like, I'm sure we can all agree on that. If it's like tax evasion, it's like she's doing something incredibly shady. Like, they're coming for her next. And she seems to be blithely unaware of that. And I love it.
1: It's so gloriously mad, and it has been such a gift. Also, talking about the most recent episode, I cannot get over Mary saying about Jenny's slanted eyes. I honestly oh gasped. God. I like had to pause. This like,
0: I, know, I I covered my face. I covered it. I was shook. And then doubles down on it next week. I know. Well, first of all, when she said that the yellow tones thing, I was like, oh, Mary,
1: like, don't do that.
0: And then she made it even worse. It's really quite impressive. Like, Mary's an incredibly problematic and horrible person, but she's managed to fit an impressive amount of racism into Mm. a season and a half. Like, even by housewife standards in the year 2021. It's really...
1: And you know what's annoying is I feel like she gets away with a lot of it by being just a mad character. So yeah. It's a bit like she, nothing sticks because she has no self-awareness whatsoever. So it's like, how does something stick if you're just completely mad? Mm-hmm. But actually I do find it quite problematic, her existence on the show or like her platform as someone, I think that it's a really difficult situation where Bravo is like, wow, we've got this person who's like amazing TV, but also aren't you kind of giving them a platform that they shouldn't really have.
0: Yeah, I thought previously that the likes of Kim Richards and Taylor Armstrong were the very limits of how damaged a person can be on reality television. And then we go and get someone like Mary and it's like, nope, okay, Bravo's willing to take it a step further. I mean, like, absolutely. She absolutely like, there's been, be there's been
1: dark stuff there so clearly that I'm like, like you say, just absolutely this person shouldn't be on television. Mm. Um, when she was describing about like, her fear of sleeping in the same room as her grandmother's husband, who she's been married off yeah. on. But then it was okay because God told her it was okay or whatever. Where I'm like, that. Like we're actually into kind of borderline child abuse era.
0: Yeah, yeah. How Christmassy. This is the note we've started on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Merry Christmas, if you're listening at home. Let's have a raise a glass of sherry and cheers to that.
1: Exactly. Before we cut into the Yule log of discussing uh, child abuse... Why don't we go back to uh, the beginning of the first season and discuss kind of who these women are and what Salt Lake City has such a particular tone because it's so tied into a cultural, like religious mm-hmm. set of standards and values that I think is really hard for us to understand.
0: Yeah, I think the best housewife shows in general are the ones that have a very clear sense of self and they're very esoteric, um, so that already there's an... An, an, a pre-established mystique to them and mm-hmm. for me i love salt lake city because i love a cult we've mentioned this in passing before <laughs> like any documentary about a cult i've seen it like Jonestown, heaven's gate i love them all so salt lake city for me was like the perfect intersection of my two obsessions loves. yeah yeah so it's really sitting pretty for me and it's also that fantastic housewives thing of something that is very aspirational it's such landscape porn this kind of almost mystical world it's like they're living in Narnia their lifestyles are very aspirational but then there's just this like deep undercurrent of sadness and darkness oh my god
1: hang on you don't actually find it aspirational right I think it looks like the most depressing place on the planet and I no I'd love it it. I'd love to live I wouldn't want to live in Salt Lake
0: City I'd like to live in Park City I think it's beautiful are you kidding me
1: no, I think it's hideous.
0: Oh my god, I would be I would love nothing more than to wake up and I'm in Meredith Marx's bed and I get up and I put on one of her pant suits and her furry oh. gilet and then I walk <laughs> through the snow James, in my stilettos. Stop. No, I'd love that. Oh, are you no. kidding me. Why? Oh god, you just don't, don't like the snow or
1: I d- <laughs>
0: <laughs> What's the problem? I mean, no, know this. You
1: just you sound like you landed <laughs> then. Why Ellie, you just don't like the snow? No, it's not just the snow. I don't, I mean, I don't mind snow. I wouldn't want to live in snow. I find there's something so... Mm. I'm trying to pick my words carefully. Almost like trashy. There's, There's nothing for me, like, tasteful in any of their homes or any of their... It's like New York, at least. New York is the closest I get to occasionally finding it quite, like, aspirational or being a bit like... I would sort of love that. Where... I just, Salt Lake City, I would have no desire whatsoever.
0: Really? Well, now I'm going through. Like, obviously, I wouldn't want to be Jen Shah. I would not want to be Mary. I probably wouldn't want to be Whitney. There's nothing aspirational about her. But if I woke up one day and I was Lisa or Jenny or Meredith or Heather, I would be quite happy with my lot in life.
1: I wouldn't mind Jenny. I mean, I I wouldn't love Jenny's husband. But, like, her kid's cute and, like, she's my favourite out of all of them. But I just find this. I find them very not wholesome. They're like, everything feels very surface level and very, um, everything feels like doing shots off of a ski. Like it, to me, the Real Housewives of Salt Lake City is like those Wetherspoons shots used to get where it was like one of every flavor. And it's like, there's very little actual alcohol in them. It's just like, there's a bubblegum flavor and there's a mint flavor and there's like a lemon flavor or whatever. It feels like that. It's like fun and it's fun to dip into, but I have no desire to be there.
0: Wow, but you don't even. But New the Jersey, part is... of
1: me, part of me kind of watches and is like, I kind of want to be there having a glass of red wine and like for sure,
0: yeah, eating yeah.
1: cannolis and like watching the drama. Salt Lake City, I have no desire to be there whatsoever.
0: No, I, I no, I, I actually do get that, and I think that's part of the attraction for me is that I, whereas I could feel with Jersey, I could just crawl in through the screen and suddenly I'm mm-hmm. in the Manzo's home playing the ham, yeah, game yeah, or whatever. But exactly. With Salt Lake, it's just so inherently foreign and unattainable, that there's something that kind of... And it's like, they never...
1: It's not like they ever go to any, like... There's no event or party or anything there where I'm like, I wish I was there.
0: Interesting, because I actually was going to say that that party that the friend of Angie threw... um, Yeah. With the whole catering debacle, I thought that was an amazing party. That was, like, one of the best parties I've ever seen on (laughs) Housewives. Country. Have I got a bit... Crazy! I I, I, think I was really so. obsessed. Like I was utterly obsessed. I thought she everyone really reminded me of um.
1: She it felt like Sarah Paulson
0: would. Play yes. Her. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I was so. Oh, I'm. I, my thoughts are all over the place. But I was really intrigued by that party. I was obsessed with the actual. I know for all the talk about the beginning of the season being really boring, yeah. I found that Lisa Angie argument about the catering fascinating in like a really. <laughs> quintessential back to basics old school housewives way i love that party wow ellie i feel like we've really got off on the wrong foot here we've
1: splintered it feels like at christmas when you go home and you're suddenly like there are certain things that really jar with your family where you're like you have to love each other but you just have totally different points of view it's appropriate. Let's go through with season one. I'm trying. You may have to remind me what happened in season one. Oh, fucking up! It was the I'm, kind of. I mean, not Jen. A lot. <laughs> Jen had a terrible temper. There was that incredible bit where Jen fell off that bar on top of Heather. It was one of the hardest. I think I laughed <laughs> at anything.
0: <laughs> where was, it was that? Like in awful. Vegas.
1: It, yeah, it was when they went away and Jen was like, I bought you a shopping, a shoe shopping experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then she was like prancing about taking ticking on the bar and she like fell on top of Heather. And it was really tragic and kind of symbolized their whole relationship.
0: And didn't that just it symbolizes Jen down to a sea. I think that was the main takeaway I got from that very first season was it was the ballad of... Of Jen Shah and how amazingly she missed the mark it was like Camille Grammer on crack
1: absolutely she's intolerable she's honestly she's vile
0: she's awful I mean she's a case study of studying a show too closely and coming on absolutely it already fully formed and yeah yeah too curated
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> and
0: just watching it completely fall apart. I mean, it's always fascinating when you know that they're filming it thinking that the audience is going to take them a certain way. I just keep going back to Camille. She thinks she's going to be the protagonist. She's going to be the wacky breakout star and just completely came out the villain. And I think that... The participants of these shows, they always sort of grapple with the problem of how to be as telegenic as possible without looking calculated. And it's, mm-hmm. it is is a very fine line, to be fair. And you want to get as close to that line as possible without going over the line. You want to be the next Lisa Vanderpump or NeNe Leakes without yeah. crossing the line and suddenly becoming like an Aviva Drescher type. And I think that one of the recurring themes that we keep coming back to on this podcast is how and why certain women on these shows cross that threshold into calculation and how it often signals the sort of the beginning of the end of their time on the show. And Mm. so it's curious to see someone, normally it's like in the latter years of the show, they get a bit too knowing, they're a bit too savvy about the audience and what they want from them and they ham it up too much. It's amazing to see someone (laughs) make their mark on the show on that note. And it begs the question, where do we go from there? And it was just a matter of time before someone like Jen Shah came along. Like Salt Lake City, in fairness, they inherited over a decade's worth of memes and social media totally. and blogs and table the flips. pressure and is throws. so
1: high, yeah. So
0: much pressure. And so there was kind of, and I know you'll notice this in Jersey, there's like a naivety to those early seasons of those early cities where they're sort of feeling it out and they come across these famous characters and moments organically And it's like a lose-lose situation for Salt Lake City because when they premiere, they have this rabid fan base where they're like, we want a table flip. We want a leg to be thrown. Yeah. Like we need that and we've come to expect that. But if you do that, it's almost always going to look inauthentic and then the fans are going to turn on that. They're fickle like that. Yes. And I felt in general, all of the cast stepped up their game immediately. Like they all look insane just in their dress. They all look like a Jim Henson cast. Like they all look like a oh cast of Fraggle Rock or something.
1: Absolutely. And Jen is
0: very much the ringleader of that.
1: Oh, I don't know. Meredith. Meredith's fashion sense. Oh my God, I love it. I just can't. I can't. That dress with the big bird pink feathered arms that she wore to one of the very first episodes is honestly one of the yeah. most horrific things I've ever seen on television. It does look like, like a, a
0: year fashion. and a half later that's what I think of when I think of on, I know. Meredith and Salt Lake City in general. That big, I pink number.
1: I think you're so right with all of that and I think in some ways that's why I found the first season fine but it was too self-aware. I found someone like Heather is a perfect example where, like I do have a soft spot for Heather and she's fine, but she was too aware of the way these shows work and everything felt. There was something a little bit tragic about, it felt like she was carving out a personality for herself as the slightly tragic meme. It's She was almost like choosing to be an Alex McCord. It was weird because she, she had more self-awareness than someone like Alex McCord, who's mm-hmm. naturally tragic organically tragic. It was like Heather was choosing like the tragic role if there are like seven personality types. She was like, I'll be the one who's just obsessed with eating chicken on a stick and like being a bit of a pusher. I don't know. I do have a soft spot for her, but there was something quite sad about seeing that someone was like, well, that is its own kind of following.
0: I think with Heather, she... I actually think in a way she's a bit more multi-layered than that because on the one hand she's very tragic and very Alex McCordian but on the other hand she's also kind of like a Jill Zarin, a bit of a sort of the grand dam of Salt Lake City. I feel like she took on the unofficial role of explaining to us and translating to the mainstream audience mm. what Salt Lake City is all about, what Mormonism is all about. Yeah. She's always the one when she's explaining like the tears of being. That's true,
1: and yeah. It's
0: like how that works. So she kind of is Ms. Salt Lake City but because Salt Lake City is just so thoroughly depressing in so many ways, she's inevitably a bit tragic. Like, I, they're all so scarred so, by religious trauma. It's I know, fascinating.
1: It's, exactly. So, like, that first season really was just weird smatterings of, of, like, quite, like, highly traumatic things being dropped in, whether it's about, like, Mary or... Um, I think this is what annoyed me what's interesting about the difference between jen and mary is that jen is mad but the second anyone calls her out on anything mad she has this very annoying habit of making herself the victim in a kind of hysterical child way yeah and just sort of crying the loudest over someone and she honestly gets upset to the point that it's Every time she just has to be soothed like a child just to stop her from like hyperventilating. Mm -hmm. It's like no one can have a proper conversation with her. I find that very, very frustrating. Where Mary has the weird thing that she drops in all of this like genuinely traumatic stuff all of the time, where I actually am like, oh my God, what happened to this woman? Mm -hmm. But her mad thing is like not taking any accountability in almost a totally like shut down way. Rather mm-hmm. than getting upset, if that makes sense. Like, she just, it's like she's not a real person. It's like she's, she's like a, a weird sort of cartoon character.
0: Completely. Like, she's an alien. Mary is. Like- I
1: honestly, if someone poked her with a stick and she suddenly <laughs> was like.
0: <sighs> yes, and like
1: something she- came out. I would be like, that makes sense.
0: I'm obsessed with those housewives who inadvertently pose an ideological threat to the show, like the Kelly ben Simones, the Kim Richardses, and Mary Cosby definitely belongs in that camp. Um, Absolutely. We all know that she's just an other being. And somehow the fact that she married her own step-grandfather, that has kind of like receded into the background and become the least interesting thing about her because she's just been so we've been so spoiled by everything else she's given us. She's, like, the hospital smell fight, like, her getting her odour glands removed, her living in her closet for the whole of the first season, her being a cult leader, her trying to pull that weird dress code practical joke on Whitney at the Italian thing, like, the Met Gala lunch, her not knowing her own cousin (laughs) slash assistant's name. We're not worthy.
1: The fact that her family worked for her.
0: Yeah, and she just and she was like, well, they clean my house, I pay their rent. Like, when, when it's like she's just like, so bizarre.
1: When she said to her son, if you smell about his new girlfriend, if you smell fish, run.
0: This is one, I mean, it feels like a fool's errand trying to unpack anything about Mary Cosby, but this is like a weird recurring trait she has. She is obsessed with vaginas. And their uses and their functions, menstruation, ovulation. She doesn't drink sparkling water because it hardens your eggs. She's worried about Lisa eating candy because she might not be menstruating properly. She's like blamed all the tat in her house from when she was like going through PMS. And then these weird conversations she has with her son where on the one hand, she's talking to him about that, making sure that his girlfriend doesn't smelly and then buying him a load of Prada crap. And then also being like, but you're gonna fight in a war, right? You have to go like you're going, you're going! You're gonna going fight in a war and you're gonna die. Like it's just there's no you think you have her pinned down and then she just goes and surprises you with another hot take.
1: Absolutely. It's incredible. But you're so right that this step-grandfather thing, what was weird was the show almost behaved as if it was like, no, that's off limits. Like we can't talk about that because that's actually like a series that where it's like, surely we need to talk about that a little bit. Surely if you're gonna bring right. someone on the show who married their grandmother's husband like I'm sorry I'm going to need to talk about that a little bit yeah it is so weird the way that I almost was made to feel like I was being inappropriate to like
0: say yeah that that like was it's weird. rude to just yeah like <laughs> But it, like, on so a very bizarre. basic level, I feel like even now we've never had a proper explanation of it. I know Andy tried to sort of pin her down at the reunion, but wasn't it like her grandmother told her, like it wasn't in a will or anything, wasn't necessarily in writing, but just her grandmother said to her on her deathbed that she wanted her to marry her step-grandfather because he was younger than her grandmother. So she wanted, her grandmother wanted him to like spend his time with a younger woman. But, like, he was never told any of this. It was just Mary. And then they sort of, like, pray together. And then all of a sudden, they're... And also that her mom is,
1: like, seething with jealousy because it wasn't her. Yeah,
0: all her family hate her. So clearly something nefarious has happened. But then she also seems to be, like, a real victim of a toxic, abusive, familial situation of some sort. Like, I, I... God. God. An enigma.
1: Wrapped in a riddle. And cash. And cash.
0: <laughs> I find it incredible that Mary is a preacher who's supposedly charismatic enough to have a whole con- congregation donate their life savings to her. I cannot believe she has the skill set for, for performance like that when we've demonstrably seen her...
1: Honestly, sp- I feel like James', <laughs> James antenna are up. He's like, hang on, if she
0: can do it... Well, surely, been, like, like, we've I'm seen in. her, like, I'm, she cannot like, carry... Out a normal human conversation like she struggled every single time like i don't th- think it's an exaggeration to say every single conversation we've ever seen with her it's like someone spoken in swahili it's been translated into hungarian and then been translated back into english like there's no rhyme or reason and i find it i, I maybe I'm that's to, why like, keep... it works
1: for her because maybe it's a bit like speaking in tongues or like receiving a message or like maybe you don't need articulacy to be a great cult leader
0: Maybe, yeah, actually maybe plays to her strength. <laughs> I just think there is something there. They're like, well, she's doing, she's twitching, so the Lord it's must something. be in her somehow. Exactly. But it's so true, like what you were saying with the, the Jen Shah of it all, how they're both treated by the cast and also by the fans, that despite this huge wealth of mania, it's really striking how ignored Mary was, at least in her first season, by the cast and the fans. Like, usually these housewives can't breathe wrong without Bravo Twitter coming down on them like a ton of bricks. So I find it hilarious that this woman, who the cult leader, married her own grandfather, regularly fat shames and is racist, was so able to just fly under the radar because everyone was so distracted by how much they hate Jen Shah. Like, how is she not absolutely despised by fans? Like, I'm genuinely flabbergasted.
1: Everyone seems to just be, like, distracted by her crazy dress sense rather than, like, anything she does or says.
0: It really colours my perception of Meredith because normally I would be tempted to think of her as one of the more normal people on the cast. But it's striking that Meredith is in the minority and that she's... She's not a Mormon. She's not part of Mary's weird church. She's Jewish. She seems to have a very healthy, well-adjusted relationship to religion. She doesn't seem to have any religious trauma. But she seems to have taken on this role as the Mary whisperer and the one who's kind of constantly defending her and downplaying it.
1: And I don't understand what there is to like there. I'm also going to put it out. My friend's really like Meredith. I don't like Meredith. I don't get what there is to like. I think she's incredibly boring. I find the thing of being like, I'm disengaging, really like a cop-out and irritating and annoying for the show... And also, I'm sorry, this is not meant to be a body shaming thing, but what is up with her breasts?
0: <laughs> yeah, that I know that one outfit you're talking about. It's like a breastplate she's got on. She's like smush them as far apart as possible.
1: No, 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 no. There's no smushing there. There's something is...
0: Do you think it's not? What do you think it is? A plastic Honestly, there's no smushing.
1: It's like, exactly. It's like, there's no breasts there.
0: But we've seen her with a good, healthy cleavage before in other outfits, though, haven't we? That's why I'm so
1: confused. No, but she wears, but it happens all the time. Someone write in and explain Meredith's breast to me. I'm sorry. It's a bit like um, (laughs) Leah's on the most recent Like, there's just something's off and I need to know. I need to know what's going on there.
0: One thing that I, how do you feel about this? Because I admire a woman on these shows that are about supposedly aspiration and glamour. Mm-hmm. that she is self-confident enough to just rock up every scene with a straight-up middle parting and no layering whatsoever. <laughs> I really respect a woman who can just pull that off and not give a shit. <laughs> That's
1: why you like me so much, isn't it? I just have the one yeah, hairstyle yeah. and I stick to it. I
0: like your simplicity. Nothing, yeah. Nothing aspirational exactly. about you. No.
1: Please tell me what I'm supposed to like about Meredith, because I just don't... No, apart from the one... Thing I found incredibly funny was when I said to you about when Jen Shaw got arrested and they turned up at the house, when Mary Cosby turned up and Meredith was in the bars. <laughs> in this weird, like, Bond villain way. <laughs> and as she relayed that Jen had been arrested, she had a tiny little bubble beard Tiny little on goatee, her chin, yeah. Tiny little goatee. And as the scene went on, the bubbles clearly were disappearing, so she had to kind of lean against the side <laughs>
0: yes, of the bars more she's
1: and like more. like, melting. And by the end, it was, like, just the top of her head sticking out the corner, but, like, carrying on having the conversation. That was very It was very, very
0: good. I but just, like, the fact I don't get... That-
1: she. I find her very
0: boring. I find her quite... Um, I just, I think it's mainly just her voice. I just love the, everything the is just so like that. Uh, talking out of the side of her mouth and it's drawn yeah. out. Yeah. And do you know what Jen Shaw has done to my family? It's a terrorist attack.
1: I have to say, what is this thing about? She's always like, she's abused my family where I'm like, don't get me wrong. Jen's awful. But did she?
0: No. <laughs> this is the thing. Okay. So I think.
1: Like, they all overuse that so much on these shows. This thing of like, of pulling out the like, my family thing and then fucking Jen Shopping, like, what about my family? Yeah, yeah. Like, what about my kids? Or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, the nice, kids are off limits. Just, you can't just always be like, what about my choice? Like, well, then you shouldn't be on this show. Like, I know, it's, yeah,
0: yeah.
1: It's very yeah. annoying.
0: And Brooks isn't six. Like, he's a grown-up. Exactly. He's doing like- confessionals. The fact that exactly. he took time off college just uh, when they were filming. I'm like, mm, okay. Like, and Brooks I mem- knows exactly what he's doing. He
1: himself.
0: knows exactly what he's doing. And I actually think that Brooks is more similar to Jen Shah than either of them would care to admit. I called it yeah. after the very first episode of Salt Lake City. Everyone fell in love with Brooks that very first episode. And I said to Michael, Brooks is a star that is shining too bright, too fast and the <laughs> 180 whiplash in public opinion on brooks was completely warranted and i knew it was going to happen he's had an appropriate trajectory from love to hate and now he's just sort of petered out into obscurity Man. and thank fucking god because that was the dullest stretch of salt lake city like the beginning of this season where it's this endless like jen and meredith arguing about brooks and how many apologies that she needs to give like it was dull and thank god that we can just draw a line under it brooks can take yeah. a step back and now we have new young blood and the real star of the show which i think we can all agree is jenny's epicure of a daughter carly
1: i am obsessed with her
0: star was born
1: i wrote to you the other day saying i'm obsessed with jenny's daughter
0: you loved her yeah I. she's great i
1: i mean i generally love jenny and i think she's a great addition and i think she's the first person on the show where I feel that affinity to of like however they feel tends to align with how you feel in the Mm -hmm. situation. It's interesting how we tend to pick someone in in each franchise, in, in, in each series. Who's your sort of moral back, but who's like everyone will have a different person where it's like who wherever they fall in an argument tends to be where you fall as well yeah
0: they're a pretty good bellwether and it's
1: always so gut-wrenching when someone you like falls the wrong side of an argument for you are like ah like i don't know who i am anymore um so far with jenny i really like her and i love her daughter and i love the scenes with her daughter and i love their home life and what the fuck is going on with her husband?
0: Yeah, it's a shame she's married to the most awful man on all of. Honestly, she's saying something. What the fuck?
1: And you know what's weird is he seemed really nice at first. I was like, what a lovely family. And then that scene, it was just like, I, and I, I actually think it was really incredible that the show had a scene like that to air, where the way she has spoken about her experience with miscarriages and having kids is so extraordinary. And I just want, like, her and her gorgeous daughter to get out and go live their best life and, like, open up a restaurant.
0: The thing is about Dewey is that he's insidious. He doesn't carry himself off as one of the run-of-the-mill awful house husbands that yeah, we normally see totally. on these shows. So, like, with Joe Judy, I say, he's obviously yeah. awful, and he's always like, "Tree, shut the fuck up! You know, but he is so... <laughs> the fact that he's so mild-mannered and calm... And then to have these scenes where Jenny is in tears saying, I'm so traumatized from having miscarriage after miscarriage. Like, I cannot do this anymore. For him to just be like, yeah, but I want more kids. It's it's like sociopathic. So, he's yeah. such a, a proud man in the worst kind of way. Awful. Terrible. I have been pretty indifferent about Jenny up until this recent episode. I agree with you. So far, so good. I agree with everything that she said so far. But I think this most recent episode is really promising for me because i think she has occupied a really important part of the show where she seems to be the only one who's not scared of mary whatsoever like she's doesn't buy mary's bullshit at all never has never will and is not afraid to just cut to the quick and i think she will be key to the inevitable mary takedown
1: demise yeah absolutely who is it time to talk about next is it lisa barlow
0: Oh, my God. Oh,
1: my God, uh, hi. <laughs> Do your hey, Lisa Barlow. Hey, baby gorgeous.
0: I mean, my go-to for a, a Lisa impression is her incredible incredible tagline this season and it's vintage old school housewives that doesn't even sound like she's gone into a recording booth and done it it's just been like raw sound footage from (laughs) filming And she's like you don't have to like me i love myself enough for the both of us it's just like doesn't take a breath (laughs) not a breath is taken god i love her and people, and I knew that I would because I know a lot of people hate her. And for those very reasons that people hate her, I think she's incredible.
1: Tell me why you love her.
0: Well, I think that, I think it's so funny that she's at the back of the, the title cards, <laughs> like holding her little snowflake. But I think she, I think we've all been taken in by, you know, the sparkliness of Mary or Jen Shah and thinking they're going to be the stars of the show. Let me tell you, Lisa Barlow is going to be on this show for the long term. Whether we like it or not, this is, like, a great time for Salt Lake, but I actually think it's going to be a dead sprint between Mary and Jen for who's going to leave the show first. Like, they're not Mm -hmm. sustainable. Lisa Barlow is the future of this show because she's just as (laughs) mental, and I love her. Everything – I have to call her by her whole name all the time. She's Lisa Barlow. She's Lisa Barlow is a gift from the TV gods. She's a fucking riot, and I I love her obsession with fast food. I love how she dresses like a Muppet's – Pimp. I love how she her hands are always <laughs> caped with fake tan. I love how she's self-absorbed. She manages to have a sit down with Jen and like cry about Jen's arrest and make it about her. I love her having seven lawyers on speed dial.
1: Wasn't even better than that. She didn't just make the arrest about her. She was like crying because she was like the time before you were arrested when I saw you. I like went yeah, home and to to because of your two. reaction and yeah. Jen was being like I've been arrested since then and it was like yeah but that really traumatised me like I just need to go back to that argument we had before the kids birthday
0: party it was just fascinating to see these two narcissists sitting opposite each other both like scrunching their face up as small as possible and not a single (laughs) tear came out of either of their eyes As they're both performing, who's more Oh my god,
1: Jen is the most annoying crier. And it's partly her nails, because every time she does that, I'm just like, oh, your nails just gross me out.
0: It's like... I I hate nails like that. yeah, yeah, Yeah. The ratio of Jen's crying face, the actual scrunching up of facial muscles to actual tears that come out of her face is so disproportionate. We've never seen a tear come out of her face. It's a mystery. Like... You and I, we've both done it. Like if you like mimic crying facially and mimic the a tear will come out. Like I find it incredible that she's just so incapable of doing it. She does it enough that you'd think she'd have a damn pat by now. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, back to Lisa Barlow. I think the best thing about her and I think the thing that has really sealed her in the Housewives Hall of Fame is that she has this role on the show now, which is just the comically inept manipulator. (laughs) <laughs> like Lisa truly thinks that she is the new Lisa Lisa Vanderpump. Vanderpump. She honestly believes that she is the cleverest master manipulator on this earth, and she is nothing like that. She is nothing of the sort. <laughs> it never ceases to crack me up that she, that Lisa Vanderpump thinks she's being so smooth when she's trying to stir up drama or manipulate a storyline on the show, even though she's operating openly. In plain sight, in front of cameras, and when she's caught red handed and she's called out, normally by Whitney, Lisa just feigns complete shock and horror that she'd be accused of such a thing. Yeah. She's like, Oh my God, I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Oh my God. Whitney, I oh had God. no idea. No. <laughs> oh. And it's like, I have to go. I have to go. And then just flees the scene. And then, of course, the editors play back some damning footage of her. And it's just so funny. Lisa gets clowned again and again and again. <laughs> I like the whole thing with Angie and the caterers.
1: Oh my God. And then bringing over the other people from the restaurant being like, hi, like, we're so glad you're here. Because that whole thing was so weird with the caterers.
0: And like, <laughs> it's almost like she puts these people, she always has these witnesses, whether it's the caterers or, um, what's his name, Cameron from the church. She's like, just put them on a platform with wheels and just like got her assistant to just like push them lightly and they just like wheel into the scene they say their spiel
1: and they're really bad at like get, like yeah, getting it's into so it yeah so
0: inauthentic lisa's basically like mouthing along to it like the prepared monologue and she's like okay thanks bye <laughs> well, that's crazy what do you guys think about that I had no idea. And I just love that. This is one thing that I love about Whitney is that she just sees through it every time. She won't let Lisa Barlow breathe, not even for a second. Whitney is the Eileen Davidson to Lisa's LVP. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it's actually is taken a bit too far. I feel like everything is Lisa's fault in Whitney's eyes. Like, you know, as soon as Whitney found out about the new covid variant she was like lisa's up to her old tricks again this has lisa barlow <laughs> written all over it
1: you had the biggest double dealing two-faced
0: two-faced bitch i've ever bitch seen
1: Bitch i've ever met it's
0: <laughs> classic lisa barlow classic lisa barlow she hates Whitney Rose. <laughs> I think it's such a testament, though, to those two. I will say they're they're pros. They're good at their game because they clearly hate each other, but they will come together for these brief detentes if it means moving the narrative forward. So whether yeah. they did like the water yoga. And the yeah, response, yeah, 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 so, yeah. Just purely to talk shit about Mary. And I really like that. And I hope that going into the next season that they broker some sort of peace accord and we get to witness an entirely chaotic Lisa Webber yeah. I like. Oh my god, that <laughs> Whitney Heather. Bad weather. Spin the truth. Destroy. That's what you, That sums her up so much. Like, because you know she went into that. She prepared that. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It sums up perfectly. It was. It was both so rehearsed and she completely fucked it up. It's a completely logical, <laughs> awkwardly delivered. And you know, in her head, afterwards, she was like, "Nailed it. Yes, got me." <laughs> oh, I love. Can we this.
1: talk about? how this season did this U-turn from like, basically I just want to spend the rest of the episode talking about like that scene. Because also it's not like we've got to the end and Mm -hmm. all of the coming up on looks great and I know that they're going to give us way more. So it's not even like we can do a complete roundup. Really, I wanted to come on here for our Christmas special and just talk about like, give them the fucking Emmy. Emmy. You cowards. Let's talk about that scene and how phenomenal it was.
0: You're talking about Brooks's fashion line, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brooks's fashion line of tracksuits. Of tracksuit. So obviously we are talking about the ladies gathering for their trip to Vale um, outside of Beauty Lab. Is that what it's called?
0: Yeah beauty lab and laser please
1: that was uh, that was really one of those moments where like me saying melissa Giorgio, i was like i really feel like you were going to be like it wasn't veil and it's not called beauty lab like it's (laughs) i was like stabbing in the dark anyway so it was one of those extraordinary things where the show was able to i feel like generally oh quick sidebar this show this all of them, but this show in particular is obsessed with a flashback. It's obsessed with with revealing information later. So someone being like, no, because this thing happened. And then it's like, back. Yeah. Only then does it show you that where it's like, but that was ages ago. It's like, it's starting to really play with the form and play with the narrative. I quite enjoy it. What the shows have also started to do in the last few years is to love dropping at the beginning of a season a huge bombshell and it being like a year earlier or like, Mm -hmm. how are we going to possibly get to that point? And boy, oh boy, did this series hit like the mother load with this to be able to drop this at the beginning of -hmm. the series as like where we're going to get to. Also they had to, because following that was like seven of the most boring episodes of TV I've ever had to sit through. And if they hadn't teased me, with what I was going to get, I think I would have switched off.
0: I know. It was getting to a point where it's like, if I don't see a fucking, like, in the next goddamn preview for the episode, Jen Shark with her braids, then I'm going to exactly. throw my TV out of the window. Because as soon as she gets her braids done, then I'm like, with that I'm there. done. Done. Yeah. I'm
1: done. I'm done. <laughs> enough. Enough. So it's this, like, gloriously meta. Again, I'm like, if, if you're listening to this, you've watched it. I just, I'm sure. Although we have had quite a few messages from people saying that they listen to the show even when they haven't watched that series or place, and it's a um, testament
0: to how compelling we are as storytellers. K-
1: kudos to you, but also, <laughs> but also, like, I feel like there's many other uses of. T- I feel I can't no. imagine. No, sorry. I mean, obviously, I don't want to put you off. But Why
0: are you t- talking <laughs> them out of it? <laughs> Keep listening. To-
1: <laughs> anyway. <laughs> So they all gather for this trip and they're in their big chunky limo van thing. Mm -hmm. And we have this wonderfully meta, like, the people filming. Is it a GoPro in the van, do you think? Because we're getting footage of them filming, which is quite unusual. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's just like a load of GoPros in the corner.
1: And then I think potentially one of my favorite moments in Real Housewives ever is Jen Shah picking up her phone and literally being like, hello? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, bye. <laughs> like, the, the most, like, I'm just, I honestly, I'm living, one day I want something to happen in my life and I'm going to pick the phone up like she does in that moment and have that bigger face change
0: yeah. of just,
1: like, literally it's just like the blood drains out of her. Yeah. And then like, just very quietly. And cal- and it's so funny, because she's been such an explosive, like, I'm so amazing, like character. Yeah. It's like the quietest we so, ever see so her go. It's incre- so it's, like,
0: it's weirdly, obviously, it's less bombastic, but it's almost on a level with Vicky Gumbleson finding out her mum died on TV. Like, yeah, to see someone realise real... in real time that their life has fallen apart. It's so Exactly, succinctly. and
1: it's like it's so human, and the way looking just, straight like, down the it. barrel
0: of a camera lens, no less, as she does it. Exactly, like, what am I going to do? Like they're not going to help you. Exactly, and then now. she just
1: like turns to Whitney and she's just like, "Can you take this off, please?" And he's like, You're, "What your uh, mic?" What? And she's like, yeah. "Yeah, can you take this off, please?" <laughs> yeah. Like just like watching her d mic, and then to have the fucking balls, I kind of have to give it t- to her to. On the spot, come up with the excuse that you're to just be like, "I'm just gonna have to say my husband's in hospital." I, can't, I
0: know, I couldn't, I'd faint, I just faint right there and then. I, I don't know what I, the, I was, just, I was yelling at the TV. I was like, "You gotta get out of there! You gotta get it! Like, they're coming!" Like the fact that she was just like lingering and saying these calm good, but like, the fact that she wasn't just like, "I gotta go right now," get, but also me it's Uber. like a
1: to pick a thing where it's like that's obviously gonna invite more questions and need you to be better at acting than you are. Like,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: it's like, I get it. She clearly had to like panic, choose something, but she like chose something that she was then terrible at behaving as if that's what had happened. So even the fact that she was a bit like, oh, I'll probably come back. And they're all like, I don't think you will if your husband's in hospital. And she's like, yeah, "Yeah, I'm just gonna,
0: I'm just gonna go now. Like, fine.
1: And so they're all there being like, is he actually in hospital? So already they're like doubting his her story because it's Mm -hmm. like, but that didn't feel like a proportionate <laughs> response. Yeah. Oh my god, so good. And then she just like ambles off.
0: The the whole Beverly Hills season that we just witnessed and the Erica Jane of it all was a really nice primer for this because I feel like the whole Erica Jane storyline is going to wrap up in a really unsatisfying anticlimactic way. I don't think there's going to be any comeuppance for her. Whereas this it's like Allegedly, but also seriously, Jen's as guilty as hell and she's definitely going to go to prison. Like, this is going to get really, really juicy and it's going to get worse before it gets better. This is a 10, and we've already gotten accustomed to housewives going to jail, but then it's a testament to these women. They've really flourished because on a lesser cast, not naming names, they would (laughs) have just talked about Jen exclusively again and again and again and made it all about her. But that very night and on the journey up, we see Lisa going mental and calling all her lawyers. They're all arguing and pointing fingers. Like it's all about how <laughs> Jen affects them and their interpersonal relationships. Yeah. And then they have all this drama with Mary. Like that very night. I would have yeah. been dining off of the Jen Shah storyline for the next five years if I was one of those housewives. But not these ladies. They're pros. They're Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Oh,
0: what a great... Sorry, did you have more stuff to say about the Jen Shah thing? I know you were te- you were telling a lovely story there.
1: Well, no, I mean, what is it, 10 minutes later that the FBI... It's just so perfect and it's so, like, glorious, like, how meta... Like, all of their confusion, the fact it's all captured on camera and the fact that, like, they're making the show at the time and the way that Heather's sort of coming up being a bit like, can I help? There's something very polite about it, but... Because they're all kind of being a bit like, we just want to talk to her. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's such a like glorious collision of like real life and Real Housewives of, of, of like the show. It feels a bit like I used to hold these murder mystery parties at my house, and everyone would like come in costume. But it and but it's in quite like an old. It was in my dad's house, which is quite like an old. Um, Agatha Christie style house in the middle of the countryside in the middle of nowhere. And this one time we did one and and accidentally set the alarm off in the house, which meant the police were on their way. And it was just like this amazing collision of like real world (laughs) (laughs) and us doing this like made up. And I was like, the police cannot arrive to all of us doing a murder mystery. Like, I just can't. Yeah, (laughs) This is too meta. And this feels like a similar thing where they're like doing a show where they're like trying to get drama and suddenly it's like the FBI turns up. And you can tell that they're all a bit like, are we in show mode or are we in real world mode now? And like, how do we respond to this?
0: This is why reality TV can be great and it can really teach us something. I've been so annoyed with Adele ever since she said that she doesn't watch Housewives because her brain would die. Fuck you.
1: Fuck you, Adele.
0: She doesn't know what she's talking about. You can learn so much from this. And I do think as an actor, you learn so much because I feel like often with a scripted drama, writers try as much as they can to hone their writing in so that there is like one moment of realisation where the audience realise all at the same time when often real life doesn't work like that and there's something just so fascinating about this earth-shattering moment for the show and seeing how each of the women get a better understanding of it as it goes on and it's not yeah, all yeah. at the same pace and some of them are a bit savvier than others and how low-key is even when the police arrived it's not like everyone get down on the ground they're kind of just like like you say it's they're so just chit-chatting key because
1: that's how life is exactly yeah it
0: reminds me of when the um with the capital insurrection i remember watching it on tv that day before it started just watching the votes being counted for the election and then seeing this protest sort of get out of hand And I remember vividly just sitting on my sofa, folding laundry and going, huh, okay. All
1: right. And then it's
0: like, oh, that's a bit worse. Okay. All right.
1: Yeah. I was sat upstairs and my housemate came up and I was like, oh, wow. On the news, it says that there are like seven people in the Capitol. And we went downstairs and watched it. And at that point, the footage was all of like people wandering through the capital, looking a bit like they were in a the Natural History Museum, kind of like yeah. ambling through. Yeah. And it was quite funny almost. And now since then, the number of documentaries, like the Three Hours in the Capitol documentary, which is so brilliant and so unbelievably upsetting. I cried so much watching it. And it's like, I was watching it in real time that day and it didn't feel like that at yeah.
0: all. yeah.
1: So you're so right that it's like, it's, when you're saying about those, like, realisation moments, the best of which, I've got to say, I don't know if any play can ever top that moment in... Um, uh, all my, uh, sorry, my iPad's running low on battery. That moment in All My Sons. Mm-hmm. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yes. Spoiler alert for anyone desperate not to know what happens in the plot of All My Sons. Skip ahead a couple of 15 seconds. The moment when the dad's whole alibi is totally dependent on the fact that he's saying he was sick on the day that the really important thing happened within the play. And then there's that amazing moment where they're all laughing about something and the mum's like, he's never been sick a day in his life. And there's just like a beat. Mm -hmm. And and you know, in that moment, everyone has had the same realisation at the same moment. And it's extraordinary and it's an incredible bit of drama, but it's not how life works.
0: But you know, if Heather Gay was there, she would be like... What? Should I? Why? Like, she just (laughs) went. Like, it's incredible. Like, she's very clever, but she's so naive and trusting.
1: What?
0: That she's like, oh, the police are here. Should I call Jen and give her a heads up? And Lisa being like, I don't think you should do that. (laughs) Jenny just sat
1: there being like, what's next did she bring? (laughs) Yeah.
0: It's just fascinating to see them all operating on such a different frequency. Totally. In such a small and Meredith's
1: space. Meredith's just there sliding down the bathside being like, I know it. I know,
0: yeah. <laughs> Great. Meredith is
1: fucking like called the cops. It is amazing and I cannot wait to see what the rest of the series have for us because when it, when there was that like coming up on, it just looked so good and I'm, yeah. I'm thrilled. Mm hmm. Do we have anything Christmassy to go out on? Um, Perhaps a carol from you.
0: Um. <laughs>
1: ha 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 Is that meant to be Salt Lake City? Ha.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only Christmas carol I'm singing this year.
1: <laughs> oh, um, Andy actually sent me something really funny to do with Christmas carols. It was a video of Teresa flipping the table, and it's like there'll be parties for hosting marshmallows for toasting and then there's an image of caroline manzo and it's like and caroline out in the snow (laughs) (laughs) so there you go
0: (laughs) send it me please i will that sounds great
1: i'll send it to you and you can put it on the instagram page
0: I'm looking forward to Christmas. I think, you know, the world is a kind of a bit of a scary, unknown place right now.
1: Yeah, we try not to talk about that on this show. And it's been really odd going through this last two years, doing this podcast over the last year. There have been so many times when James and I have been like recording whilst things are particularly stressful. And and obviously, one of the reasons we try not to talk about it is to make this like an escape. But... (laughs) <laughs> that was a, a little bit dramatic, but like to, <laughs> we're doing God's
0: work here, really. <laughs> to, <laughs> to,
1: <laughs> come hide in us, yeah. Um, but like, it is a it is a scary, stressful time at the moment, and I hope that everyone listening is doing okay and finding ways to. Um, I was going to say stay positive, but that's probably a, a poor choice of words. But like, try f- finding ways to stay sane and to have a wonderful Christmas and. I really hope whatever happens in the new year that we're able to provide some joy with our New Jersey series. Because I certainly, if the UK goes into a lockdown, I intend to just, like, hunker down with the next few series of New Jersey. And um, It's going
0: to be time well spent. I, I hope everyone listening at home, they're doing their homework, they're watching New Jersey from the beginning. Uh, if you want something seasonal, season three, there's, like, a the longest stretch known to humanity of every Christmas, like, thanksgiving new year episode there's like 10 episodes all set at christmas and it's just the the feeling of walking into a warm family home it's just absolutely but i would say
1: like if you're feeling low i would crack on that first season like we're all gonna do this together Mm -hmm. Uh, and do you have any new year's resolutions going forward james um Or Christmas wishes?
0: My New Year's resolution is actually to take more photos of myself or not shy away from bit what? (laughs) No, I just... I feel like... Yes.
1: No, I don't have any. Only because I'm not there to take them of you now.
0: Well, I just feel like throughout my life, I've always been that person. Like, I feel very awkward when I take photos and I look back on photos of myself when I'm younger And thought you have such a youthful glow and like even though you felt awkward at the time you want to capture it before it's gone yeah you had the whole (laughs) life ahead of you and i just feel like it's not too late for that and i you know i feel like it's like an investment is this because you were
1: inspired by that guggenheim exhibition we went to where she'd taken a polaroid of herself every day
0: oh fuck it that was so unnerving that was a mary cosby exhibition if i've ever seen it exactly yeah (laughs) oh god um yeah what about you
1: uh, what besides providing an escape for all of our listeners, yes, yeah, <laughs> from the horrors of the world? Um, I am trying really hard to, I really envy people who were able to stay very present and focus on one thing at a time, and so I'm really would like to learn how to do that more. My sister always describes, she always says that. She and I are like lighthouses. We're always kind of looking ahead or behind. And I think it's true. I find it very difficult not to get stuck in my head. So just trying to really get into my body. Yeah. You. I'm disengaging.
0: Love that. Love that for you. Love
1: that.
0: What a lovely note to end on as we go into this new year and whatever possibilities it may hold for all of us.
1: Oh, how thrilling. I really think 2022 is going to be
0: better. Cut to the end of 2022 and it's going to be that like... um, I was thinking that Caroline Manzo moment where she has that sit down with Danielle and she's like, you know what you are? You're a clown. <laughs> You're a clown for thinking that.
1: I told you about how I got the audition for you through that said, must be attractive, not a model, but not clownish. <laughs> <laughs> got penciled for that one. That's
0: a first. Oh, yeah, it's very much your type, Ellie. You're the right side of clownish. I, just,
1: I, love, I love that those are the two options. Yeah. Not a model, but hey, hey, hey. Not clownish.
0: It's one or Possibly the other. clownish.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You're a Caroline Manzo or you're a Danielle. What can I say? There
0: is no in-between with me.
1: <laughs> there is no in-between with me. You're
0: either going to love me or hate me. There is no in-between with me.
1: James, I'm wishing you the merriest Christmas. Um, I obviously won't be seeing or talking to you until we do our next series because... No. No interest whatsoever.
0: Yeah, okay hey. hey.
1: But I send light and love to your family and Michael.
0: Love and light. (laughs) And to yours as well. (laughs) Love and and light. You're like,
1: I don't even know who yours are. (laughs) Love
0: and light to you and your women, your woman. (laughs) Yes.
1: And thank you to you guys for listening. And I'm wishing you a very Merry Christmas before James signs us out.
0: You're the greatest Christmas gift of them all. Me? No, our listeners. Oh. Not, Not you. (laughs) <laughs> okay thanks for joining us this week for a special christmas episode of the housewives archives make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss nothing to do with christmas either like vague we just decided to do salt lake city because it snow we it's talked like, about snow. Link. Yeah, that, that, nothing else to do with christmas so tenuous. i tell you
1: what wait as you do the as you do the um sign off i'll do some christmas salt lake city style music
0: all right okay I'll okay. Take it from the top. Thanks for <laughs> joining us this week for a special Christmas episode of the Housewives Archives. Make sure to click subscribe so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, we would really appreciate a rating, or if you simply tell your friends about the show, that would help us out too. Thanks for joining. We wish you a happy holiday. Stay safe out there, and we'll see you in the new year. Ha 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 ha! Yay! <laughs> Smashed it. Ah. Uh.